Welcome to the R. Jackson Home Podcast. This week we are joined by Bob Alvey. He is a school board member for District 4. He's on seat 2. Bob, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here, Kevin. Looking forward to it. So, Bob, before we get into talking about what the school board is and how it works and what it does, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, Because I don't feel like the school board members, you know, they're not like necessarily um, in the public eye as much as maybe city councilors are. So why don't you just give us a quick intro on Bob Alvey? Sure. Well, I'm a retired engineer from Procter & Gamble. Uh, Lived in Jackson twice. So I kind of, my wife and I loved Jackson, moved away, thought we'd never be back. And Mm -hmm. we we did, and we're really happy to be here. Are you a native or? I'm not. I'm originally from Indiana. Okay. I thought there was a Midwestern vibe I was picking up on there. People say I sound Southern, but I don't think I sound yeah. that Southern. Yeah, I'm from Southern Illinois, so oh, okay. we'll talk yeah. about that off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm one of I'm one of nine kids, so I, I learned to listen a lot when I was growing up. I had seven sisters, and they <laughs> helped me learn lots of patience. Um, but I uh, felt really blessed to work for Procter and Gamble and mm-hmm. and moved around and worked in various locations. Uh, I've had some assignments overseas uh, and done some work there, a plant startup, and then some short term assignments in India and Japan. So uh, it, it really gave me, Kevin, a chance to see education in a different light in different countries. Mm-hmm. And I feel really fortunate to have done that. Um, my wife and I are real active at our church, Inglewood. We keep the nursery on Sundays. That's one of the greatest blessings in our lives. We mm-hmm. have a bunch of crawlers that we take care of. So I think yesterday we had 14 of them. So when we go home on Sundays, we're a little bit tired, but, yeah. but it's great too. So It's good, kind of tired. Yeah, it's a little bit about us. And how long have you been on the school board? This is my 15th year. I've served on the, the local Jackson board, and I currently serve on the Tennessee School Board Association Board of Directors. And then uh, four years ago, got elected and served on the National School Board Association mm-hmm. Board of Directors. And how does one just, they're like, who's a sucker we can call from Jackson to get on the state board? And then who's a sucker from Tennessee we can get on it? Or like, how do you well, get on those? Well, it's interesting. In both of my cases, I got approached by people and asked to run, which mm-hmm. honestly is kind of how I got involved in school board to start mm-hmm. with. I was a, a parent at Pope Elementary where my daughter started kindergarten and my son followed and uh, just started volunteering and became a PTO officer, became a PTO president. And eventually people kept coming up to me and saying, hey, well, don't, have you ever thought about running for the school board? Mm-hmm. You know, we think you ought to do this. And I thought, nah, my job, I travel a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of long hours at Procter & Gamble. and But ultimately I saw the need and decided to, to do it. And uh, so, uh, you know, I feel really honored to have been able to serve really on both, all three of those bodies. Yeah, and what's the term on the local school well, board? Our local boards run four years. Okay. And the, there's a stagger, so five positions are up, one term. And then in the off years, the next two years later, the other four terms are up. Mm, gotcha. So, yep. Okay. That's, and, and so what area do you represent? I Well, my area is kind of interesting. It literally runs from where I live in Cherry Hill all the way over to Pringles Park. Okay. It's a really long, skinny zone, uh-huh. and uh, that's District 4. And how are those? Do you know how those zones are constructed? Um, they're all done by the local election commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, they work with the county commission every 10 years to do redistricting. And the explanation that I had, because my zone used to be primarily in the northwest area, kind of around mm-hmm. Pope and that area. And they said they were trying to better line up the zones with the voting locations. So mm-hmm. um, that, that's what was done. Okay. And and um, do you have interaction? What do you do with to, to hear from your people? Um, I, I tell you, social media is one of the biggest things I use, Kevin. I, I do Facebook a lot and put a lot of things about school board on there. 
I tweet some, although you don't get as much, you know, tweets a good way, tweeting is a good way to get information out, but you don't always get a lot back from people. Mm -hmm. So Facebook, I, I get a lot of contact from teachers and parents. And I, and I try to get a lot of information out whenever there's a vote coming up to yeah. let people know. And there, there are certain people that over time have just, you know, I've developed a trust with. So whenever there's a tough issue, I'll call them and say, hey, look, this is what the board's thinking about. What do you think? Mm -hmm. I'll send out emails and ask. I've done public meetings. Although I tell you, in this day and time, it's really hard to get people to come. Like I used to go to a lot of PTO meetings. And unless, unless there's a, a singing group or food involved, people <laughs> just don't show up a lot for those school meetings anymore. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of had to adapt how I get that information. Yeah, well, that's, that's good that you, that you look for that, though. Yeah. I've actually used, like, SurveyMonkey as a tool, too, to send stuff out and say, you know, hey, here's a survey. Give me your input mm -hmm. back. So I've done that, you know, in terms of board evaluation and priorities for the board. Mm -hmm. You know, again, just throw the link out there and then see what people tell you back. Yeah. So. yeah, awesome. All right, well, let's head into the first break, and we'll come back and kind of talk more about the school board, how it operates. So, so between the Tennessee and Mississippi rivers, this is part of Jackson Hall. back with our Jackson home. I'm here with Bob Alvey. He's the uh, he's the school board representative for District 4, seat 2. And uh, Bob, what are the qualifications for joining the school board? Literally, the only qualification to run is basically to have a high school education. Okay. Um, in the state of Tennessee, you just go pick up your petition. Mm -hmm. As long as you can get 25 voters from your district, you can qualify and run. Seems like a really low bar. <laughs> it, well, it, it, it is, and I wish there was a higher bar. Although I will say this, Kevin, on the back end, once you become a school board member, we're one of the few elected officials in our state that have actual education requirements that must be fulfilled. Interesting. Yeah. So like continuing education yes, credits? Yes, that's right. So the Tennessee School Board Association uh, administers a program for the Tennessee Department of Education, and school board members have to go through certain modules. Huh. So you have to learn about goal setting, academic achievement, um, how to manage finances, how to work with a superintendent. Yeah, they have what they call core modules, and it's like a it's kind of like a basic training program for mm -hmm. school board members. And you've got a certain period of time to do that. And in the state of Tennessee, you can become what's called a master school board member, which which I've had the privilege to do. But to get there, you have to step through four different uh, parts of the program. And then the fifth step, the final step, to become a master school board member, you have to actually do a portfolio and demonstrate your impact on your local board, your wow. impact on the state board. And very few board members in the state of Tennessee actually achieve that level. That's a neat concept and one that's wrinkling my brain a little bit at the moment, but I love that. Yeah. Um, so what's, what's the bare minimum? The, the bare minimum really is you have to at least complete the core modules where uh -huh. you learn about finance and superintendent board relationships. And how much time are we talking about uh, for a module? The, the, each module is eight hours of instruction. Okay. So usually you have to go somewhere and meet with a group of 25 to 35 wow. school board members. Yeah. And that's the other really neat thing is you actually engage with them. Mm -hmm. So you meet people that can become a, you know, like, hey, you can reach out to them and say, hey, our board's struggling with this. Do you guys have ideas? Yeah. So it's as much developing the relationships as it is getting the knowledge. That's that's a really neat idea and, and something that uh, maybe the other two boards in town might need think to think about. about. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we'll see if they're listening to this. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so that's that's super neat. Um, 
and then how often do you guys meet? Well, it, it, we, we have a standing meeting twice a month. We have what we call a work session, mm -hmm. and that's where we get together and go through all of the items on the agenda, see if any board member has any questions. We usually have a time to talk to the superintendent about any issues going on, and that's where the board really kind of does the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. That's where all the work gets done. And then, and we do that on the second Monday of the month, usually. Mm -hmm. And then the second Thursday of the month is when we have our regular board meeting. And that's, that's more focused at recognizing our students and staff that have accomplished things. We always have a recognition mm -hmm. section in the beginning. And then we actually vote. Like, we don't vote during the work session. We just are allowed to present information. Mm -hmm. And then that gives board members a couple of days to kind of think about it, come back to the meeting yeah. on Thursday, and then actually vote. Now, are both of those open to the public? They are. And uh, Kevin, one thing that's, that's neat about the Monday meeting, that's where we actually have what we call public comments. So we allow about a 30-minute segment where anyone can come and speak to the board on any issue they have. Mm -hmm. They have three minutes, and they get to stand and address the board. And if there's something the board needs to follow up on, then we might put that on the next agenda item for the following month and mm -hmm. have a discussion about that. How often do people... Uh, almost every meeting. Okay. I mean, it, to be honest with you, there's a couple of people that almost speak every month. Yeah. But then we also sometimes hear from other, you know, like there a certain issue happens at a school or somebody mm -hmm. has a great idea and they'll come and present that. We've even had students come mm -hmm. and say, I don't think I'm getting enough PE time. So <laughs> can we, you know, like, so it's, I think it's really the best way for the public to interact with the board. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. And so you mentioned a minute ago about, um, you know, the working on stuff with the superintendent, meet mm -hmm. with the superintendent. What is that like? Who's who has what responsibilities? Yeah. How does that work? That's actually probably one of the most misunderstood things about boards. Because I'll get people to call me up and say, "I think you guys need to fire this teacher, or <laughs> you need to get you know hire this football coach." And that's not the board's responsibility. Mm -hmm. What the board really exists for is to hire and fire the superintendent. Mm -hmm. That's that's our one of our main responsibilities. The second is to really approve the budget for the school system. And the third is to set policy. And then the last item is really, and this is the one that's probably most forgotten about by a lot of school board members, we're really there to be a cheerleader for public education. Mm -hmm. And we can do that through interacting with the public. We can do that through interacting with our elected officials, which I believe is actually one of the most neglected parts of a school mm -hmm. board member that I see, whether it's local, state, or national level. Yeah. So, but those those are really the four main responsibilities of the school board, and the superintendent's job is to really run the district. Mm -hmm. They are other than the superintendent, we have no employees. So I don't have a right to go to the superintendent and say I think you need to put this principal in or that principal. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I certainly have a right to make suggestions, but at the end of the day, that's the superintendent's job to make all the operational decisions. Gotcha. Is that ever, like, so most people misunderstand that, and I think I probably misunderstood that as well. Um, I guess that comes up a lot. It, it does, and as a school board member, that's probably the one area you really have to guard in. Mm -hmm. Our real leverage in running the district is through the policy we set. So I'll give you an example. If, if there was a situation where you feel like staff are not being treated appropriately, mm -hmm. you know, then you have to set a policy that basically says, we're going to treat our staff with dignity and respect. Then you can hold the superintendent accountable against that policy. Mm. So mm. that's really the board's leverage is to say, if there's an issue we feel like is not being addressed, then we set board policy, and then the superintendent has to comply with that policy. Now, that are those policies for the 
system or just for the superintendent? They're for the they're for both. Okay. Really, most of our policy is really system wide. Mm-hmm. So it's how we want staff to interact with parents or the community. You know how we deal with financial integrity. Mm-hmm. How do we deal with our students that maybe have a problem? You know what's the appeals process? Mm-hmm. All that. So we have administrative procedures that flow out of all those policies. And those procedures are administered by the principals and teachers, but most of that comes out of board policy. That's interesting. Um, and then you also mentioned budgeting and things of that nature. Right. Where does the funding for the school system come from? It, well, it comes really from a three, three really different places. The first is really local funding, and the majority of our funding <coughs> is local. It actually comes from our county commission through property tax. And so, you know, we have a relationship with the county commission where we meet with them once a month talk about issues that are of interest to them and us, share about how we're doing financially, share academic results. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so that's the way we kind of uh, monitor and maintain that relationship. Then we get about 25% of our funding on the state level. And Tennessee has a really complicated system. And one thing you've learned is, especially on a national level, every state funds education differently. Nobody does it exactly the same. In Tennessee, we have what's called the BEP, which is the Basic Education uh, Program, and that's the funding we get from the state. And it looks at, you know, you, you need to have these class sizes. You, we're gonna, you know, you can only have one superintendent. You know, like, they, there are certain requirements. And so we get funding for that. Do a lot of people don't have multiple superintendents? Is well, that something Well, as an example, do? we have one county that's just north of us that has five different school districts in that one county. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're smaller than we are in Jackson-Madison County. Yeah. So th- that's kind of what happens there. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry. So, um, and then we get part of our funding from the state level. And the state funding is really made up of two components. One part comes from the federal government, and they kind of administer it to all the different school districts. Mm-hmm. And then some of that funding also comes directly from the state. So, and then we have federal funds, which is primarily for what's called uh, IDEA, which is special education, a lot of people know that as. Gotcha. And then uh, other supplemental funding that the federal government gives. And it's only roughly about 10%. And honestly, Kevin, our federal funding's been going down year on year on year for Mm. quite a while. Well, and that, you know, where the money comes from, you know, uh, there's an old saying, it's like just, Follow the, follow the money. So, so how does the authority work out then between school? Like you guys are setting policy, the superintendents leading the school. You guys are setting policy, and then there's the state and the feds. Like, yeah. how does that all mix? It, it's like a dance. Okay. I mean, it really is. You got to kind of know your partner. You got to know what's important to them. You got to demonstrate that you're fiscally responsible. You know, that's okay. that's an important thing that we feel as board members we have to do for our parents for the taxpayers yeah. because honestly if you look around Jackson most people don't have kids in the district but you know I saw there's a great quote that I, I can't remember who who I think it maybe it was Mark Twain but I, I might be wrong on that but somebody said that education is the legacy that one generation owes to another mm. so you know you and I at some point in time somebody paid money to get us educated absolutely so our burden is now we got to turn around and, 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 and pay that forward back to the young kids today mm-hmm. so I have people come up to me all the time and say, you know, I don't have any kids in the district anymore. I really don't have a dog in this race. And I say, oh, absolutely you do. Yeah. Because the dog in the race for you is what's the economic viability of this community. Yeah. And so to our ability to educate kids, so goes our economic viability in Jackson, Madison County. Absolutely. And and I tell people you can't run from bad public education. You cannot. Like if you take your kids out of public school or if you move move to another part of town, 
it's going to catch up with you. It may be five years, but eventually the, the, the effects of, of not educating people will catch you. That's right. Well, you know, they, they, there's a statistic that gets shared a lot, and I believe it's true. I've heard it many, many times. The way law enforcement predicts the number of jails cells they'll need in the future is they look at third grade reading levels. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. Think about that. It's so early in life. So early in life, yeah. And most studies have been done. You know, my, my greatest concern as a school board member is literacy. Mm-hmm. Because if you have not got a child reading at grade level by the time they get to third grade, the odds are they'll never catch up. And so think about that. As early as third grade, the lot is cast for a child mm-hmm. in most instances. And that's amazing. That's, yeah, that's disheartening. It really is. Um, and and this would be, uh, we didn't come here to talk about this, yeah. but you were just at something called Team Read, which is a cool partnership yeah, in the community. It is. Do you want to tell us a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah, uh, Team Read is a program that uh, various community groups participate in. My wife and I, this is our third year. But we go in and work with two students every week. We spend a half an hour with each student and basically just go over vocabulary words. Mm-hmm. And it helps them be able to sight recognize words and so, again, going back to that whole thing about reading at grade level, yeah. the way you read is you know words. Mm-hmm. And so there's this huge vocabulary gap that a lot of kids come to school with, and we're just trying to help them fill that vocabulary gap by learning those words mm-hmm. and kind of get them back on the track of success where they can read. Because if you can't read, you can't do math, you can't do science. You, yeah. know, every, you can't make it around town. No, you can't. Every other thing is, is dependent on reading. Absolutely. Bob, this is great content. We're going to close off this middle segment. We'll come back and talk about this, our school system in general. Sure. Less about how the board works and all, and all this great information. But So from our front porch to yours, this is our Jackson. school board member he represents district four he's on seat two um bob this is going to be a little awkward but i'm going to ask this question anyway our school system catches a lot of flack in the community i'm just going to ask it is it deserved um certainly some of it is kevin um and i would say this about our community you know jackson is unique in that about 20 percent of our kids are educated in private school that's Mm -hmm. a much higher percentage so it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg question. Which are people going to private school because our public schools are bad, or our public schools become have become bad because a lot of high achieving kids and involved parents have pulled out of our district? And uh, I'm not sure I know the answer, but I certainly have some opinions about it. <laughs> um, and I think that's um, so. Yes, some of some of that is deserved, but also I think our public schools today are are creating results that are, are amazing. You know, if you go back and study public schools, one of the things that's really changed, it really used to be in our our grandparents' or my parents' day, because you're a younger guy than I am, it really was kind of reading, writing, arithmetic, and that's all they did. And honestly, if you go back and study, public schools began to play a significant role in nutrition, because when World War II happened, most of the soldiers that got drafted, their physical health was so poor, they were so malnutritioned and other things, that one of the generals went... To the, to the president and said, FDR, we have to do something to address public schools and the role they can play in, in not only helping to educate, but to you know take care of the health of, of students. And that's when public nutrition programs really began. 
And so it really helped turn the tide of the American soldier in World War II that they got health care, they, you know, they got the nutrition they needed. And today, schools, they provide counseling. You know, in those days, there were no special ed kids. If you had a special ed child, they stayed at home with you. Now mm-hmm. we're taking them in. We're actually including them in mainstream classrooms to help them learn life skills. So for people that say today public education is failing, I don't buy that. Public education succeeds today more than at any time in the history of our country. Are there challenges? There absolutely are. The literacy issue that you and I talked about earlier is the critical thing. It's the thing that I'm most uncomfortable about our results in our district. Mm-hmm. You look at third grade reading levels, and again, if you know anything about education, there have been a lot of different things done over the past few years about how to measure testing. You've heard a lot about mm-hmm. testing. I'm not sure we really know adequately, fully, the best way to really assess the literacy levels for kids. But I do know that if I look at the reading scores that are available today, they're not where they need to be. And that's probably the biggest failing of our district. Mm-hmm. But what, what does encourage me is I see a lot of young families who are saying, you know what, public education is the lifeblood of our community, and we need to get back involved to help support it, to help enrich it. You know, I want my kids to be a part. I mean, if, if you want your child to be exposed to diversity, which today we truly live in a global economy. Mm-hmm. We live in a global world. The news you read comes from all over the world. You know, um, I would not want my personal, you know, my children who are now both educated, I would have probably never thought about homeschooling them because I believe that part of the social interaction and the group experiences that they got being in a public school setting were important in their development. And that's how they learn to deal with people and understand the different cultures people come from. And, and, and that's what worries me a little bit. You know, you look out at the private schools in Jackson today, they're pretty homogenous. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tend to be pretty much white middle class folks. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if that is the best preparation for a student going out into a global economy. Um, and I think that's something that our school district can provide. Mm-hmm. And we've got a lot of great, th- you know, you look at Madison Academic, the Mm -hmm. academic decathlon team that's won multiple national championships. Um, You know, we've got uh, early college high where kids are learning coding today. And they've actually been here at the Co and participated in that process. So we think we've got some cutting-edge programs that are really helping kids today learn and be successful. I I can only look at my own two children. You know, my daughter was a JCM and a Madison graduate, got a scholarship to Auburn. Today she's an audiologist. Uh, works for a, you know the world leading company in cochlear implants. My son is a graphic designer. Um, got a full ride to Union basically. Um, you know they came out of this school district and they both have done incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And I think they had incredible teachers that challenged them and prepared them, and uh, really set them up to be successful when they went out into the workforce. And I see a lot of our kids getting that. Yeah, we have a lot of you know whether it's military academies or high-profile schools, um, you know, we have a lot of our graduates that do real well. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say we don't have room for improvement. We do. Yeah. What's probably the most exciting thing to you that's happening in our school system? I think just Eric Jones coming in as our new superintendent. I see, like, it's almost like there's a lift, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, there's just the, if you want to call it the wind underneath people's wings, (laughs) Um, for whatever reason, the morale in the district maybe has not been where it needs to be. And, um, you know, that's another whole podcast, but yeah. I, I see Eric as a leader that people just want to get behind and follow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, the fact that so many of our educators followed Eric to Huntsville. Mm-hmm. 
And I can only share a comment that, you know, Eric currently works for Nissel, which is a company that consults with turnaround schools. And the CEO of Nissel told me Eric's, you know, one of the most incredible people he's ever worked with. Mm-hmm. So to think that that person is going to be our superintendent, yeah. and to have someone that so many people in our district know and trust to come back and lead this district, mm-hmm. I can't think of anything I'm more excited about than that. Yeah. Um, well, what can we do as a community to help you, the rest of the school board members, and Eric Jones to make Jackson school system even better? I think just get behind our schools. You know, there, there's a lot of, you know, it's funny. Whenever people move to Jackson, realtors kind of say, well, you know, you, you probably need to think about living here because mm-hmm. you'll want your kids to be in private school. I would hope people would say, hey, I want to go back to public school and give it a chance. Um, I think we have some amazing teachers. Mm-hmm. We have some amazing schools. Um, we're getting ready to have an amazing superintendent that really loves kids and is just dedicated and passionate about them being successful. So just, you know, give public schools a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, call a school. You know, get involved in Team Read. Go volunteer to read or help. Um, the, a lot of our schools, you know, have all kinds of needs, and they're constantly looking for volunteers. So if you've got some time, call and volunteer. We'd love to have you. And, uh, you know, just um, speak up for public education. Again, it is a unique entity in this country, and it's really changed the trajectory of our country. Public, you know, if you look back over time, public education was the thing that really allowed students that might have never had a chance to have a chance. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny, uh, if you're a fan of Alexander Hamilton, the musical, a lot of people didn't know who Hamilton was. And public education was one of the things that turned the tide for Alexander Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And there are many, many other children in the history of our country and even today whose lives and trajectories are being changed because they're getting a chance to get a great public education. Awesome. Well, um, Bob, I'm super excited that you're on our school board. You can't see it through the microphone, but he has been super excited the entire time you've been talking, and I, and I respect that a lot. So, so Bob, thank you for joining us, and thank you for helping to make Jackson a better place and choosing to call it home. Well, just thanks for sharing our story. I appreciate that a lot. Today's podcast was hosted by Kevin Adelsberger. Our intro music was performed by Aaron Harden. It was recorded live at The Co. To find out more about The Co., visit their website at www.attheco.com. To find out more about our Jackson home and to read more about how amazing Jackson is, visit our Jackson home.